Good morning. Calm Christian here. Yo, yo, yo. World. Wakey, wakey. Yo. Calm Christian and Rambo here. I'm coming to get you. Just kidding. Acts 1 verses 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses into me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the utmost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. I don't know what that means, but it sounds like those guys were saying, what are you standing around for? Get going. You got work to do. We got work to do as Christians. The world's coming to an end. And quite frankly, I don't really hear that kind of urgency from the pulpit. Maybe I'm, maybe there are people on YouTube preaching it. I don't really hear it in church. Am I accusing pastors of anything? I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. Is there an apathy in church? If you go to church and you hear a guy that keeps talking about the second coming and the world's coming to an end, are you going to think that that pastor is a nutcase? Are you going to like what you hear? Is it going to accuse you? Are you going to walk up to the pastor dude and say, yo, 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 pastor. You're really upsetting people, man. It's a beautiful Sunday morning. The birds are chirping. The sky's blue and I want my coffee. Yo, yo, yo. What you preaching that kind of thing for? It's upsetting to people. Yes, it is. When I first got to the Baptist church, I had a a pastor, Obi-Wan Kenobi, who was preaching about trials. You're in a trial. You're coming out of a trial. You're getting into a trial. I, I didn't really want to hear this. Like, I liked my pastor, don't get me wrong. But either my pastor's words were irritating me, and he was a wonderful pastor. I, I missed the dude. Or, or it was convicting me, the Holy Spirit's trying to tell me. It's not a set of beliefs you've stumbled into here. You stumbled into a holy God and his holy Messiah King, King Jesus. Like, we're, we're here. We're reigning from heaven and we're with you. It's not a set of beliefs. When, when churches say we believe this and we believe that, first of all, it's a hermeneutic. And secondly of all, who cares? It's not me, it's we. But it's not we, it's he. It's we and he and he and we. It's not what we believe, who cares? All, all it is, a, you know, some of these beliefs that churches have, it's just a bunch of doctrines, just a bunch of traditions. That's fine. But God doesn't care. You approach God the way he says, not the way you want. God said, this is my son. You approach me through love relationships, other centered relationships, not doing what you want. 
Yo, yo, yo. In the name of Jesus, my will be done. In the name of God, my will be done. Amen and amen. Doesn't work like that. Y'all hear what I'm saying. I don't tell you what to think. I tell you what I think. But you're the one that decides the final say on how you approach God. On how you want to apply it. We all approach God the same way through Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. Period. No argument. No debate. No discussion. No talk about hermeneutics. We approach God through Jesus. How do you want to approach God? You want to approach him with jeans with holes? Or a suit? Or a tie? Or sneakers? Or the King James? Or the ESV? Or the John MacArthur? Hey, it's your business. But we all approach God one way and one way only. The straight and narrow. Through Jesus Christ. A living human being. Not a bunch of beliefs. Nobody cares about beliefs. You don't... You, you look at people when they're talking about all these things. Like when they're talking about reform theology. Calvinism. Arminianism. Arminianism. All this stuff. Honestly, I don't know about any... I feel like falling asleep. I don't know. I can't keep up. It's all, it's all PhD cerebral egghead stuff. Am I attacking the gospel? I'm just attacking the opinions of men. Mark 7, 7. I'm a man. I have opinions. I have biases. Just like everybody. We, but we, we approach God through a laser beam. Laser. Light amplification by stimulated emission of radiation. Well, you know what? We approach God through Jesus Christ. The God laser. Love amplification by stimulated emission of radiance from Jesus. Because Jesus Christ is the radiance of God in a man. And we are supposed to emulate that. Paul said, imitate me. Paul never said to follow him as the Messiah. Listen to me. Think about what I'm saying, he said. I'm saying the same thing. You don't have to have my theology. Theology is just a big fancy buzzword. You go to the person on the street, he has no clue what you're talking about. He's trying to make ends meet. He's trying to keep it together. He's trying to hold on to his sanity in a job with his 50,000 billion emails. And people are going crazy running around. And the angels say to the guys, hey, what you standing around for? Get it done. Revelation 19 verses 11. And I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vestiture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, 
that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. Revelation 19.21 And the remnant were slayed with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Yeah! That sounds very scary to me! Sounds like somebody lived, somebody didn't. That's Revelation 19. And all of a sudden, Revelation 20 says, Huh, I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit. What bottomless pit? Is that hell? I, I thought that they said in Genesis when God was making the earth, he was making it from something, it was called the abusos, the pit. It was unformed, it was chaotic. Is this the earth here? Why does, why does the earth call the bottomless pit at the beginning of Revelation 20? What, what happened in Revelation 19 to make it the bottomless pit? Where is Jesus ruling? Is he going to rule in heaven for a thousand years? Where, where is this Re Revelation 20? Because that's, here's where you guys are at. All you guys. And you're going to strive towards Jesus. Revelation 20 verses 4. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. That's you guys. By the grace of God, if you are a new covenant Christian, that's where. You, so wherever Jesus is at, that's where you're at. But where where is this? I have no idea. Is it Earth? Is it the bottomless pit? Is it another planet? Is it somewhere on Earth? Then it says, it says the rest of the dead, verse five, lived not again till the thousand years were finished. What dead? Is that the guys in Revelation 19 verses 21? And then, then Re Revelation 20, verses 5, and this is my opinion, okay? I've got a bunch of puzzle pieces in front of me, and I can listen to different people, but it's up to me to try to figure this out. And I don't have it right, but I'm just telling you what my brain is seeing. All of a sudden, the rest of the dead, who are these people? And all of a sudden, Revelation 20, verses 9, and they went up in the breath. Sorry, let me, let me back up here. Okay, so it says, this is the first resurrection in the last part of verse 5. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection, so as the second death has no power, but they shall be the priests of God in Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Is that the same people in verse 4? Is the people in Revelation 20 verse 4 the same people as, the, same people as Revelation 20 verses 6? Just asking questions. Not demanding of you that you have the same belief as I, as I do. You've got the same verses that I do. You've got the same puzzle pieces that I do. Arrange them the way your brain tells you to. But at least give it a shot. Believe me, I'm way in over my pay scale with this. You're just going to feel overwhelmed. It's like God doesn't like me feeling like this. Really? I go to the gym and I don't go for health. I go because I want to be great. I want to feel something. I want to get a pump. It hurts. I come out of that gym. It's like, man, I feel like I did something. My muscles are jacked. I don't have genetics like, like Big Arnold. But I just enjoy what I'm doing. And you know what? I feel good. I gave it my best shot. I'll never be a bodybuilder. I'll never be Mr. Olympia. I'll never, take, I'll never get a Sandow. 
They'll never shake my hand, put a medal over my head like Nick Walker. That guy's going to be Mr. Olympia or Big Ramey. It's either one of the two of those dudes. Because that Nick Walker, man, he's jacked. He's looking huge. Or Big Ramey. I think his name is Big Ramey. He's like an Egyptian guy. It's going to be his third Mr. Olympia. I'm never going to be those guys. Okay? Aside from what they're doing, the stuff that they're taking. And I do not condone that. But you know what? I did the best I could with what I had. And I'm going to go get my Tim Hortons coffee. And I'm going to feel good that I fought the battle. That's what you're doing right here. You're fighting the battle right now. You're looking at these puzzle pieces going, I don't know what to do with this, but let me try. And all of a sudden, the people in Revelation 20 verses 5, okay, it says here, and they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about. Camp of the saints. That sounds like something on earth. And the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Whoa. And the devil that deceived them were cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So the, the devil and the false, so the, kind of like the false trinity kind of thing. The devil is the dragon, I think, and the beast is like, like he's like, I don't know, he's like the second member of the, the evil trinity. When I say trinity, I mean evil trinity. And the false prophet, you know what I mean? So the Holy Spirit is like, quote, the prophet of the true trinity and you know the false prophet is quote um you know kind of the prophet quote of the evil trinity i don't quite understand this but here's the thing are we talking about this in church are we preaching about it is there some intentionality about it is there kind of a fiery indignation sermon about it are we going to scare people in church it's like, oh, I don't want to hear this this morning. This is a beautiful, this is not the place to talk about it. Well, when's the place then? Is it the Bible study? Are we going to go to YouTube? Are we going to study about it ourselves? Are we going to self-initiate? Because if you're going to go to church and wait for somebody to teach you something in order to learn, you're never going to learn. I am not the sharpest tool in the shed. As my brother used to say to me, Hey, Mr. Calm Christian, you're sharp as a cue ball. Ha, 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 ha. Not funny. But you self-initiate because nobody's doing it for you. The Holy Spirit's doing it in you and he's going to push you to study. You want to know. Okay, you're going to go to your knees and say, Lord, I don't know what this means, but I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this. You know why I'm going to read this, Lord? i tell you why I'm going to read this. Because Revelation 1.3 says the following. Blessed is he that reads, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Did you just did you just hear what I said? You'll be blessed. Didn't say you will understand. Heck, I, I don't think there's ever going to be a day that I understand the Bible in its totality. But isn't it fun to read it? I, I enjoy reading it in the NLT. It's just fun. I just think about it. Hey, the Bible changes. Sometimes... You know, you read the Bible when you're 20 years old and you see a verse a certain way and then you're 40 years old and you see it a, do a, a different way or somebody comes to you in a Bible study and says something about it. It's like, wow, I never thought of that. That's amazing. That's what I said to the dude in the Bible study about the two groups having a fight in Acts 16 and then they had a fight and they had a contention and then two groups went to witness. 
double the witnessing power. Never even thought about that. I just saw the negative. But that dude saw the positive because the Holy Spirit put it into his head to see something in a totally different way. But if you'd ever read the Bible, how are you gonna how are you gonna even begin to have these ideas? How can the Holy Spirit give you an idea if you don't even pick the thing up and read it? And when I say read it, I don't mean like an obligation. I mean for fun. Because you only create things when you're not in anxiety. When you're in anxiety and stress, your brain can't create anything. You can't relax and you can't think. I can't. When I'm in a stress, I'm just on the defense. I'm not the most creative person in the world, but even I, dumb, dumb, calm Christian, does do have ideas which I would happily assign to the Holy Spirit giving me an idea. He did it. I didn't do it. I just kind of put my brain into, into a restful state and a place where God could download an idea into my head. You can't, you can't think when you're in a fight or flight defensive posture. And that's what the devil is doing. Don't you see what he's doing? He's putting everybody into a stress. Everybody's into contention with each other. Everybody's fighting each other. Matthew 24, 10, many shall be offended. Are you in a perpetual state of, of defense and offense? Like, are you offended about everything and everyone? Who is your Jesus? Is it politics? Is it Joe Biden? Is it Trump? Who is your Jesus? Is it Saturday as the Sabbath? Is it Sunday is the Lord's Day and I must defend this with every dying breath I have? Who is your Jesus? Is it the King James? Oh, there's people on the internet just going crazy about the King James. You cannot read any other vow because they're all, they've been deleted and uh, references to Jesus have been deleted and you can't read that and it's heresy and it's a slow. Yeah, maybe it is. Who cares? Read the weaker version first if you enjoy it. And then when you've done that, maybe the Holy Spirit will say, hmm, what does the King James say? Or what does this version say? What does that version say? My dad is a wonderful man. He's 92 years old, but he cannot read the King James. He does not have the ability to read that kind of language. And, he, and he's not stupid. He has a brain. He can make a joke. He has a sense of humor. But reading the King James, it's a challenge for him. And it's a challenge for me too. One more thing. Calm Christian is very excited about scriptures. I find it's my go-to. My mother came to me a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And she held the Bible and shook the Bible in front of my head. And she said, when I feel depressed, I read this. And the calm Christian said to himself, my mother's a nutcase. Everywhere she goes, she talks about this Jesus person as if he's alive somewhere else. This is stupid. This is not life. But I don't think things are going so well on the planet. It just seems like everybody's all in an uproar. Everybody's freaking out. Everybody's going crazy. Everybody's trying to fill their empty hearts with all this entertainment. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. One more thing. I just want to read from 2 Thessalonians, if I can find it, because now I can't find it when I'm flipping through the pages of the Bible. Don't you hate when that happens? And then I'm going to close, all right? So let me just see if I can get this again here. I always try to memorize the Bible, 
the sequence of order in the Bible. You know what? You know what happens to me? Then I forget it. Here we go. Finally, thank you, Jesus. Second Thessalonians, one. Seven. And to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that obey not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians four, thirteen to seventeen. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. They're sleeping in Jesus. God's bringing them with him. Are they sleeping? Are they conscious? He's bringing their minds back to infuse it into their bodies. These are the people who have passed on. Because there are still people left on earth, apparently, when Jesus Christ comes back, who are godly people. For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Not quite sure what that means, but I'm reading the King James. Anyways, if you want to read it in the NLT, maybe it'll enlighten you. I can't quite remember. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Where are we going to be with the Lord? Is that all the second coming? John Darby said that, you know, uh, there was a word in here that is Greek, which means harpazio, which means to snatch away. So he speculated that it would be a private snatch away, um, that people would just disappear. So he said there was like a rapture. I don't really see that, but if you do, can we still be friends? I'm not here to bash your hermeneutic. I'm not here to say, oh, you believe in the rapture, uh, so therefore you are not a true Christian like I am. No, I just have a bunch of options in my head, and not believing in the rapture seems like a better option, but I still am aware of it. I know that the rapture is a theory that people have, and I respect that, and I've got that bowl in my head. Because if it ever does happen, I know, I know Jesus is coming soon. If it, if it happens, will I see it? Will, if it happens, will I be part of it? What happens if I don't make the cut? What happens if I don't and I'm left on earth? Does that mean that God gave up on me and doesn't want me? What does it mean? Maybe God doesn't want to take me in the rapture, the first wave. Because he wants me to stay on earth and duke it out and even uh, iron out my faith even more. Why do you assume, if there is a rapture, if that is true, if it's sort of a people disappearing, why do you assume that you'll make the first draft? I never made the first draft of anything in my life. I always got cut first time around. Why put your eggs all in one basket? Are, is anybody preaching the urgency of this? I'm tooting my own horn here, and I don't want to do that. And I'm not a preacher man. I never want to be. I'm just having fun with the scriptures, but I read it. Revelation 1.7 Behold, he comes with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Is Jesus coming back just once? The way he went publicly, every eye shall see him. It won't be through CNN, Lens, or Fox News. Every eye 
that is alive will be able to see this man emerge from the clouds. The entire sky will split open right in front of you. And then the Lord will raise the dead because it says he brings them back with him, the ones who are sleeping. And then all of those people together will go to be with the Lord. And that's what revelation, you will be with the Lord during Revelation 20. On earth, somewhere else, on another planet, in another dimension called the camp of the saints. What is it? What is it? What is it? See how I've rambled on? But I've given you pause to think. Because I don't want to tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I say. And during the pauses and the interstitions that I deliberately hold back my talking, I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you personally. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you, it probably sounds like your own thoughts. So is it you talking to you or is it the Holy Spirit talking to you? I'll let you figure that out because you know yourself better than I ever will. I'll see you in the kingdom. God bless.